and welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, there was a uh, CPAC event over the weekend, and Donald Trump spoke, and a lot of people attended. A lot of people hung on his every word, as you would expect they would. Chris Christie pointed out, and I didn't see the, uh, the speech by Trump, but I heard it was pretty good. My wife watched it. It was repeated on Newsmax. Yeah, I can take only a few minutes of those events because they're, it's, they're all the same. But Christie said on the Sunday talk show, one of them, I think with uh, George Stephanopoulos, that half the seats were empty. There were a lot of empty seats when Trump spoke. And Christie thinks that means Trump is, has lost his luster, that he was yesterday's news and it's time to move on from Trump. You hear this from a lot of prominent conservatives. I'm not saying Christie's a conservative, but he's fairly conservative, a former Trump ally. And I, I'm not I'm not there yet. I think Donald Trump still runs the Republican Party. He has control over a majority of the party. DeSantis may be in the future. He's got the, uh, his future in front of him. He's in his mid-40s. Trump is 76. So it's Trump's party. It will be DeSantis's party at some point. He has, hasn't even decided whether he's going to run. I think he's decided. He hasn't announced, I should say. And I think he will fairly quickly because he's getting his donors in a row. He's getting his ducks in a row, so to speak. And I think Dan, uh, DeSantis will be a formidable opponent for Trump, frankly. He is, uh, he's battle-tested. He's had a term and a half as, uh, as Florida governor. He's, he served in the House. He is uh, Ivy League educated. He's one of the original members of the Freedom Caucus. So his conservative credentials are impeccable. He's done a great job as governor of Florida. He's been a fantastic governor. The way he's beat back these COVID mandates the mask mandates, the vaccine mandates. He said, no more, not in Florida. It's not happening here. And he handled COVID brilliantly, in my view. And uh, the way he's handled this communist wokeism, sending those, uh, sending those uh, illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard was a thing of beauty. It was, a, it was Trump-esque, you might say. So I think DeSantis is, uh, he's going to be tough for Trump to overcome. And, I, you know, something, if they if they do go head-to-head in a primary, and it's a bloody primary, I hope it isn't, but whoever emerges victorious will be that much stronger. And I think either one of those gentlemen is obviously tons better than anybody the Democrats could put up. You know, Biden's running. If he makes it to 24, who do the, who do the Democrats have? You know, Gavin Newsom? He's been talked about as a potential candidate. Uh, Kamala Harris? I mean, please. They're ridiculous. They have no one. The Republicans have a very deep bench. There's, And I'm going to get to some polls here after the CPAC event. And I want to just mention one young man who's tossed his hat into the ring, this Vivek Ramaswamy. He's 37 years old. Have you heard of this guy? This guy's tremendous. Saying all the right things. Vivek Ramaswamy, I think is how you pronounce his name, a self-made millionaire. I th- I've read somewhere he's worth $600 million. He tweeted... Last couple of uh, last couple of weeks, he said, as president, I will end federally mandated affirmative action. I will repeal Lyndon Johnson's executive order number 11246, which mandates race based quotas. Every Republican since Johnson had the opportunity to do it and they didn't do it. He said, I'll do it without apology. Nixon could have done it. Reagan, the Bushes, Trump could have said uh, could have ended affirmative action, but they didn't want to. They were afraid to. Now, you know, he, uh, he also uh, pledged to end the uh, Department of Education. And he's saying all the right things. 
But, you know, saying it is one thing and getting it done is something else entirely because the deep state is going to fight him tooth and nail if he ever does get elected. Here's another one. Climate religion has become America's sacred cow. Time to take it to the slaughterhouse. Most Republican politicians are too timid to say this out loud, even though nearly all of them agree with me. Instead, they settle for making meek arguments about time horizons and costs. He's right. Most Republicans are afraid. He's not afraid. But again, he's talking tough now. If he becomes the nominee, he's going to have to swing to the center. They all do. Vivek Ramaswamy. He's one of the candidates. And, you know, any Republican would be better than these Democrats. But, all right, former President Trump continues to lead in national polls for the 2024 GOP primaries. And DeSantis is uh, topping in several important states. In states with the most recent primary polling, according to the Daily Caller, DeSantis leads in five. Alabama, California, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina. There are several other states in which he leads, but with several caveats. In Kansas, Maryland, and Missouri, DeSantis beats Trump in a head-to-head matchup. However, in a field of other current and potential candidates, the former president leads, just like it was in 2015. With 17 other rivals, Trump bested everybody. And I think that the polls are showing that if the more people get into the Republican primaries, the better Trump's chances. In New Hampshire... February polling indicates DeSantis leading and then flipping to Trump the following week. But again, state by state, that's every election. Every federal election is really 50 state by state elections. So in Alabama, DeSantis ahead by nearly 20 points in a head-to-head matchup with Trump. In California, the governor leads Trump 37-29 in a field of 11 potential GOP candidates. DeSantis beats Trump in a head-to-head in Michigan by five in Pennsylvania he leads Trump by five. North Carolina, the governor wins against Trump with a 12.7 percentage point lead. I don't want to bog down with, you know, bog you down with too many numbers. Trump leads the governor in Arizona, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Virginia in recent polling. In Arizona, Trump tops a crowded field at 42%. DeSantis at 26. Head-to-head matchup in Mississippi. Former president leads by a whopping 23 percentage points. In a five-candidate field, Trump leads the pack with 35.1%, DeSantis 21.8%. In South Carolina, in Virginia, Trump tops DeSantis in a field of contenders by 11 percentage points. And on and on it goes. Again, nationally, that's state by state. Trump 45%, DeSantis 29%, Nikki Haley at 5 uh, Pompeo at 3 Pence at 2 and Cheney, Cheney is at 1%. Again, these polls are, you know, they're meaningless. Uh, Not five years ago, eight years ago in 2015, Jeb Bush was leading in national primary polls. You saw what happened to him. Low energy Jeb. That was the end of Bush. Yeah, I was looking at uh, some of the, I'm going to be skipping around here for a few minutes. Oh, I want to get to this before we skip around and look at some of the headlines. Why don't we talk about all these, uh, these polls? Well, because the election's going to be extremely important, this 2024 presidential election. I think in every election they say this, that it's the most important election uh, of our time and probably in the country's history. I was had a few minutes, a couple of hours actually, uh, over the weekend. We had the big snowstorm, got seven inches up here in uh, Cambridge, upstate New York, and I, I finally got around to watching 2,000 Mules, a documentary by Dinesh D'Souza. 
take the time. I think it's about 90 minutes long. It is extremely instructive in how the 2020 presidential election, D'Souza maintains, was stolen. And when you watch this, it's hard not to believe that it was stolen. I think some of this evidence is irrefutable. It opens up with a uh, panel discussion, and D'Souza's running it, and it, you know prominent conservatives, Dennis Prager, uh, Larry Elder, Eric Metaxas, and uh, I think Russell Kirk, a few others, and I can't think of their names, but, um, and you know, and Prager said right off, he said, I'm kind of agnostic about this. I don't know enough about it. I haven't seen evidence, that enough evidence to suggest the election was stolen. And Larry Elder said the same thing. He said, show me the money. Show me. So the next 90 minutes, D'Souza, you know, attempts to show them where he thinks it, it just was obvious <clears throat> how the election was stolen. And uh, I think Trump would have won the election. I, you know, I'm an election denier, in other words. But he breaks it down, does D'Souza, state by state. There was coordinated fraud committed across several states. The ballot harvesting, the vote trafficking, uh, the drop boxes, especially in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania. I mean, all five or six of those swing states. And mules, by the way, are, are the people who pick up and deliver ballots at these stash houses. And there's video footage of, of these mules. Many of these people hit a dozen or more drop boxes in one night. And D'Souza got, and this is how they tracked them. D'Souza got election officials, I guess they used geo-tracking, to track these mules, these people who are stuffing ballot boxes, similar to the technology used to to monitor cell phone usage. You know, you use a cell phone, it kind of bounces off a satellite. Uh, don't ask me to explain it. I'm not a, a technical expert, but I'll give you an example. I'll just break some of these down for you in a couple of minutes, uh, for a couple of minutes. In, in Arizona, there were 200 mules, each with an average of five illegal ballots. Now, they could have had more. The Susage said, let's let's give these each, let's say they had five illegal ballots, 20 Dropbox visits each for an estimated total of 20,000 illegal votes. Now, in Arizona, the margin of victory for at Biden was like 10,000, 10 or 11,000 votes. So that's more than makes up for Biden's margin of victory. We know what happened in Maricopa County, where Phoenix is. In Pennsylvania, there were roughly... 100 mules, or excuse me, 1,000 mules. You multiply that by 50 Dropbox visits, five illegal ballots per visit for a total of 275,000 illegal votes. That's the estimate. The margin of victory for Biden in Pennsylvania was only 80,000. In Wisconsin, 100 mules times 28 Dropbox visits. Again, five illegal ballots per drop. 14,000 illegal votes, not enough to overturn Biden's uh, victory in Wisconsin. So Biden did win Wisconsin. In Georgia, 250 mules, 24 drop box visits times five illegal ballots per drop, resulting in 30,000 illegal votes. Biden won Georgia by, I think, 12,000 votes. In Georgia, by the way, as in 26 other states, it's illegal to turn in anyone else's ballot. That's what's meant by vote trafficking. You can't handle somebody else's ballot or deliver it for them. They have to do it themselves. It's illegal. In Michigan, 500 mules, averaging 50 Dropbox visits, again, an average of five illegal ballots per drop. The result, 125,000 
illegal votes. Again, these are estimates. Not enough to overturn Biden's win in Michigan. So Biden won Michigan and Wisconsin. So, I mean, Trump won the other three. And if you flip the uh, electoral votes, I, I forget what the exact total was. I think Trump had 303 or would have had 303 electoral votes. And I forget what Biden would have had. But, it, you know, it's conservatives say, you know, this that was then. Let's get past it. Look past it. It's hard to look past it. The takeaway is that 2,000 people committed felonies. Some of these people were stuffing ballots at 3.30 in the morning. They're right. They're caught on on video. Who votes that late or early? Don't polls close at 9? Well, 9 in New York State. In most states, they close before midnight. That's why Trump wants to do away with drop boxes and mail-in ballots. The opportunity for fraud is just too great. And he said that early on, and he was proven to be correct. It was extraordinary criminal activity committed on election night and in the days after. It was They're counting votes for days and weeks in some of these states. And they stopped counting altogether in some states. Late in the evening, late into the night, Trump was well ahead in some of these states. And he woke up the next morning, and he was losing. In some states, they, they just stopped counting for whatever reason. It's never happened before. The media didn't report it. Again, many Republicans just want to move on. A former AG, Bill Barr. Yeah, I realize there's another side to this argument, that it's not helping Trump's case in 24 by keep revisiting 2020. But these drop boxes were privately funded. Zuckerberg, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, he pumped in $470 million to pay for those. All of, and all this mail-in balloting nonsense, all over fears of COVID. That's what we were led to believe. That's the reason given for the drop boxes and the mail-in balloting. Not this time. And yet Democratic state attorneys general changing election rules in the weeks before the election without legislative approval. Only legislatures can change laws. Not secretaries of state. All Democrats in most of these states, the legislatures are controlled by Republicans. Again, vote trafficking gives third-party access to ballots. I mean, Trump would have had over 300 electoral votes, more than the 270 needed for re-election. Anyway, that was then. This is now. And uh, Trump's the guy to fight some of these things that are besetting the nation. This, this, the culture wars have never been more hard fought. Our nation's future is at stake. Our children's future is at stake. It can't be overstated. There was a, a story a couple of weeks back. I haven't, I've been sitting on this for whatever reason. haven't gotten to it, but just the headline makes my blood boil. Virginia lawmakers approve a bill to ban teachers from hiding a child's gender transition from parents. Why would any teacher want to hide something so important from a parent? Children have to you know, get a parent's approval for, for an aspirin if they're in school. But they get their sex changed and they don't have to tell their parents about it. So the Virginia House approved a bill recently which would prevent teachers from keeping a child's social transition from their parents. Sage's Law, named after a 14-year-old girl who was sex trafficked twice and raped after the state removed her from her parents' custody to protect her from misgendering. This is how screwed up these people are, these Democrats running these these state legislatures and some of these governorships. Uh, not in Virginia. I think Virginia's governor is Republican. 
But in a, I'm going to read a piece here again from, uh, I think this is from the Daily Caller. In a tearful testimony before the Virginia Education Committee, Sage's mother, Michelle, said that while she and her husband were prepared to use Sage's masculine name and pronouns, the school and the state still insisted Sage would be harmed by her parents. What? Using wrong pronouns? While fighting for custody, Sage was kept in a male children's home where she was repeatedly assaulted. Look, folks, there are two genders, male and female. This crap has got to end one way or the other. Here's a girl, sex trafficked and, and, and raped because the school didn't tell their her parents about her transition. So the state wants to take her away from her parents and puts her in a home with boys who assaulted her. It's unbelievable what's happening. Unbelievable. Some of the headlines from townhall.com. I love these headlines. Democrat rep denies black people have God-given rights during a hearing, and then things get hilarious. you got to go to town hall to check these out. Lori Lightfoot, as you know, was defeated last week in Chicago in the mayoral race in a primary. She was sent packing, and of course the first thing she said was she was fired because she is a black woman. Well, that's a stretch. She is black. I mean, she was fired because her policies are literally killing Chicago. Violent crime is through the roof. People are leaving Chicago in droves. It's not because you're a black woman, Lori. It's because you're a rotten mayor. First one-term mayor, I think, in decades in Chicago. Like it or not, we have a stake in the Russia-Ukraine war. I'm going to spend time on a future show about talking about the Ukraine war because I'm not sold on the United States having to be involved in that conflict. What are we doing in Ukraine? How And I understand that the Ukrainian people are fighting for their lives and their territory. Russia's been in Ukraine for over 250 years. What do we have to gain by getting involved? We can supply them with military hardware like we're threatening to do. We haven't really done it yet. $113 billion. Nobody knows where the money's going, who's getting it, what it's being used for. We're just sending it, you know, we're giving them a blank check, basically. This is Zelensky who's as crooked as a day is long. How is the United States safer by us getting involved in Ukraine? Nobody's been able to answer that for me. And I just want to leave you with a couple of headlines here and one final tweet. Now it's FBI Director Chris Wray who says COVID most likely came from a lab. All the evidence points to that. Everybody's been denying it. Fauci's been denying it. The media has poo-pooed it. But it's coming, it's coming to light. A lot of the truth about COVID is coming out. And you know something? I, I, I couldn't be happier. Speaking of COVID, one of these, uh, one Democrat who gets this issue, the vaccine issue right, is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He is running for president as a Democrat. Now, he's, he's big into climate change. He's right down the, 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 uh, the line, A to Z, a, a liberal Democrat. But on the vaccines, he is an anti-vaxxer. If you read his book, and I did read his book, uh, he just slams Fauci, the CDC, the NIH, the World Health Organization, the phar- pharmaceutical industry. He's got a lot to say. Robert F. Kennedy is running as a Democrat. And that's, I think, uh, that's a good thing. The more people in the, uh, in the race, the better. I'll leave you with a uh, tweet here from Matt Walsh. He said, the people who claim I'm not qualified to speak about any issue because I don't have a college degree now want to reach into my pocket to pay off their student loans. Uh, no. Deal with your own problems. You're a lot smarter than me, right? 
You figure it out, smart guy. Matt Walsh. And I'm surprised to find out he doesn't have a college degree because obviously he's a very bright, bright young guy. Okay, that's going to do it to it. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in to the Pac-Man podcast. If you like what you heard, then hit like, by all means. Hit subscribe and hit share. Share with your friends on social media. Tell people about the Pac-Man podcast and check out our our very talented podcasters we have up there for you on the BMG Network. If you want to contact me directly, it's Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the BMGnetwork.com, all lowercase. And check out the, uh, the fine columns we have for you, too, under the Pac Perspective. Thanks for tuning us in, and if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flitt.